Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategy, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, and now us. So check us out every Friday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. I'm Big Head Joe. I'm rolling solo this week on this section of the podcast uh, because we already recorded the episode uh, uh, on the way to Grand Prix Detroit. Uh, Me and Jeff Zandi uh, drove from Dallas to uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, where we met up with uh, Levi Gaines, our teammate and a player at the legit MTG physical store in Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, We also got to meet Nate, the owner and operator of legit MTG, uh, which was really awesome because, you know, uh, we've been sponsored by legit for over a year. And uh, when you're sponsored by a company in the middle of Kentucky, it's tough to often meet them. So we got to meet them and it was really cool. Uh, Nate was a really nice guy uh, and he was very generous. In, in terms of uh, sponsoring our team uh, for for Grand Prix Detroit, uh, and and that was really amazing, and I, I can't thank him enough. So we stayed at Levi's house, and then we left from Levi's house in the morning and drove the rest of the way into Detroit. Uh, stayed for a couple days, and uh, we did not do well in the tournament, as you'll hear in the episode. Uh, but uh, then we drove back. Uh, we stayed at a Motel 6 in Bowling Green, and then we drove the rest of the way uh, and got back on uh, Tuesday evening. Uh, all told, it was a 2,400-mile trip. Uh, <laughs> it was completely crazy, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, we recorded on the way home from Grand Prix Detroit in the car, uh, me and Jeff, uh, Wanted to record with Levi, but I was so tired. I was so tired that whole trip back, honestly. But I just was not feeling like recording on the Monday. So me and Jeff just wound up recording a little on Tuesday. And uh, that's the episode. Um, So I just want to obviously apologize for any audio issues that there might be in this week's episode. Uh, I usually make no apologies for anything. Uh, but uh, we definitely did record on the road, and it is reflected in the sound quality of the podcast. But I think we got some good material, so you know, give it a listen and uh, have a great time. And I'll be back with Stephen Marshall next week, and we'll be recording um, with our normal, <laughs> our normal terrible audio setup. But for now, uh, enjoy this week's episode and. We'll see you soon. We're on the road home right now from uh, between uh, Nashville and Memphis. Uh, It's me and Jeff Zandy. Say hi, Jeff. Howdy. And uh, we're just uh, heading back from Grand Prix Detroit. Uh, We did not have 
a successful trip in terms of uh, winning, but I'd say in terms of having a fun trip, it was very successful. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't win them all. You can't. I mean, Jesus, when you look at that top four, you know that top four. How many? What was the the numbers like? How many pro dozens tour? of pro tour wins? Yeah, hundreds of pro tour top eights. Just between the top twelve, you know, top four teams, top twelve players. Um, you know, it really felt like seeing that. It's like wow, like like what were our chances of, of getting to that point, you know? I mean, I'm sure, like, chances of cashing were, you know, decently high, but, man, to top four that event, uh, it would have been really tricky, to say the least. Fortunately, we didn't have to worry about that, uh, because we wound up going, uh, two and four, so that was great. Um, we did some practice on uh, the Friday, um, the, the night before the main event. We did uh, two sealed pool builds, and um, I, mean, I don't have—we don't have anything in front of us except for uh, highway. <laughs> but um, it, it seemed like. I don't know. It seemed like the the thing that we wanted to do is you wanted to, to not have someone playing a bad deck. Of course, then again, you know, you look at the result, uh, the, the winners. Uh, who was it that it was Jacob Jacob Wilson? Right. Had a one in fifteen record on the uh, on the entire uh, weekend, and their team still won. So yeah. So that'll be a record that'll never be broken for uh, low performance by someone winning a pro tour. Yeah, be winning a Grand Prix. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of amazing. Uh, shows how good the other two decks were for one. And um, he he may very well have been an important part of making that team succeed, even though his matches didn't go well individually. Right. Sure. Uh, this is so funny. Uh, side story uh, that I saw on Facebook was somebody was joking like. Oh man, they shouldn't have even like let him be in the in the picture that they took for the winners, like almost as a joke, you know. Right. And uh, one of the teammates, I forget who it was, wrote back on Facebook, "Well, uh, you know, we did give him the broken trophy because apparently one of the trophies was like broken." So uh, uh, that's the that's the ultimate sleep in special. Uh, yeah, our third teammate uh, didn't get here. Can we build three decks and then just take a loss? Every yeah. round, uh, hey guys, I'm back. Well, it's round four. That's great. Uh, <laughs> that's not what happened, but it, it could have been. Right. That's just hilarious. Um, <laughs> um, but so anyway, so we wound up. I felt like uh, the, the we wound up with one deck that didn't perform as well in the in like the practice builds in one of the practice builds and then uh, I think the second practice build went a little better right and probably a better pool maybe yeah and then we had we had three decks that all felt pretty functional um, and then on Saturday you'd say the pool was 
the pool we really opened in the real tournament was a little bit more like the weaker pool in our practice Friday night. A little bit. I mean, like, the thing is, we had one clear-cut best deck, which was the blue-red, like, Thopter deck. Right. It was so strong. It like, still wasn't bomb-head. It wasn't full of bombs or anything, but it did have very good cards. Well, it didn't really have to be full of bombs because it had so much... Like synergy and so many good things going on, um, but I, I think I think that we did that right. I think that like we built that deck uh, and we gave it to Levi. Levi, uh, we dropped him off in Bowling Green uh, last night. Uh, we were going to record a little bit yesterday, but it just really wasn't feeling it. It was just kind of uh, for a short drive. It was really taxing. I felt. Um, short drive compared to today, I mean, uh, so I just was not feeling like recording a podcast, uh, but Levi was great, and was really glad to have him on the team, uh, he's gonna be in Oklahoma City, uh, hopefully, so looking forward to seeing him again next month, but it was great having him, uh, come, you know, come out and play with us, and, and, and put up with us. <laughs> right, but for the listeners, uh, you know, Joe and I come, came all the way from Dallas. Levi uh, doesn't really write or produce anything for Legit MTG, the website. Uh, he has he has written for them before, but uh, he was on the team because he's the store's local hero. Right, right. Well, he's more yeah, or less. Multi- and more, multi- more specifically, constructed. Yes. Uh, you know, multiple PPTQ wins at the store. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just a great player from that store. Uh, so, you know, uh, that, that was, you know, when I talked to, um, Nate from Legit MTG about sponsoring the team, I said, you know, uh, I want, you know, me and Jeff, uh, and, uh, get somebody from the store that's a good player, you know? So, uh, Nate, uh, talked to Levi and got Levi involved and, uh, I think Nate made a good choice, you know, cause Levi was really good a really great player. He had the best record, I think, overall. I mean, we did give him the best deck, uh, but you know, we we he had the best record overall on the day of all of all of us. Uh, so that was good. He, he really did, you know, do everything he could to help carry the team. So his efforts are really very much appreciated. Um, he, he does think that um, he I maybe mean, just you know uh, this would be fine in formats besides Origins. He was. He's pretty much ready to splash a third color at all times. <laughs> and I think he toyed with the idea in our practice pools on Friday night. I don't think we got any trouble from him on Saturday, though. But, but outside of that, he you know, he was excellent. And he uh, knows enough about Origins that he, that he measured the cards pretty well. And he had good ideas during deck construction. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, I really feel like, and I don't know, like, where we went wrong, <laughs> but I feel like somewhere at the intersection of your deck and my deck, you know, we, we made some, we made some mistakes, and that's okay, you know, it's good to, to know that sort of thing. Right. Um, like, I think that, because I played, I went up playing green-white on Saturday, and, um, in a way, kind of bit the bullet for the team because uh, 
the green seemed like the weakest color in the in the pool, but uh, I mean, I'm 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 comfortable playing the particular mix of green creatures we had available to us. Uh, so, what do you remember about your deck? Um, I remember that I didn't have enough removal to affect the board enough to uh, actually get my creatures through. I think that's the one thing that I really have to take from, you know, what I did. I did have, okay, well, I mean, admittedly, I did have two Wild Hunger, which is good. Um, I had a Suppression Bonds. I don't think so. No? I don't think so. For a little while, you know, you were thinking about blue and we're going to split the pair of Claustrophobia's with the red-blue deck. That's right, that's right. When you went back to white, when you decided on white instead, then uh, that gave Levi two claustrophobias, which definitely made his deck better. Yeah. And, but I, uh, you didn't get any of the white removal, of which I think might have been just a... Uh, well... I, mean, I, had, I had a Celestial Flare. That's right. And I had a Grasp of the Hieromancer, which isn't, like, defensive removal. You know right. what I mean? It's only offensive. It, it is good in green white yeah sure um frankly your deck uh it's possible that you know in ordinary ordinary everyday origin sealed that green white deck might have been okay but the decks are just so much better overall in yeah team sealed yeah and i think that was a, a big part of the problem was that the decks are so much better and uh and my deck kind of played like a regular sealed deck so it, it just didn't it just didn't go super well. Right when the decks in in Team Sealed are are uh, advertised to basically play as good as average or maybe even better, slightly better than average booster draft decks. Right um, now you're you know, you, yeah it, it just didn't really didn't really do that. Yeah um, yeah you got I got the rares in my deck. But the rares were removal spells. Right. Um, you had the language. language in black, double black, and in double white, tragic arrogance. Right. And that tragic arrogance was why I couldn't possibly give up the uh, suspension bonds because the suppression bonds, bonds yeah. because it was you know uh, too key to the possibility of the tragic arrogance blowout when you keep your enchantment. And you let them keep the creature that's underneath your enchantment. Right. But when you're uh, regular sealed or team sealed, when, when you have bombs in your deck, you're happy. But when your bombs are keep you alive cards instead of make you win cards, that's not, not as good. Yeah. And it could easily have been, I mean, uh, it, it wasn't necessary to put two board clearing cards in the same deck, but we just didn't have a good plan for black otherwise right yeah and then we just loaded up we loaded up the one deck with with the with the good black spells um the one thing that you the one path you didn't go down right. that uh we sunday night just kind of skipping around a little bit sunday night uh i did manage to stream from the hotel and uh, actually did manage to win my eight four so that was really cool, uh, you know, and since I didn't say it on the stream, uh, I've got Jeff to thank a lot for, uh, for kind of guiding me a little bit and helping me stay the course in my draft where I was ready to abandon 
uh, I think I was ready to abandon white in pack two because it just like really felt like we got cut in white and I was like oh maybe maybe that's not a good idea and I was tempted to take something else and even mid pack two out of frustration took a gear per gear crafter <laughs> I just like, was like I don't care just took it like I was, right. I was starting to get frustrated but you know we still managed to make the whole thing work um, but yeah, so I won the eight four. But the key was yeah. And then the reference to Saturday is that you drafted one copy of Blightcaster. Yeah. In a deck that only had uh, four, three or four. Four, I think. I think it was like a grasp. Uh, All good though. You know, you didn't push it with any terrible enchantments, which it tried to do last night. Right. But after your deck was so good Sunday night with just. Just one blightcaster and a couple of enchantments. Now I know. I, I feel really bad that on Saturday I didn't go with double blightcaster in a deck that had a suppression bonds. Could have had pyromancer. Uh, yeah, and, uh, could would have had that instead of your deck probably. Weight of the underworld. I think there were a couple. And there were two weight of the underworlds, which did were were which were in the black white deck. Right, right. Also had if you just wanted to go if you if you went that far into into Enchantment Town, it's possible you would play the Sigil Enchantment that makes 4-4 four, four tokens. Yeah, Sigil the Empty Throne. Uh, since you can, since you could, uh, you could argue for it since with with one of two Blightcasters in play, even playing the Enchantment would have a positive value on the board. Where it usually doesn't. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like how many more Enchantments are you going to play after turn five, the earliest that you could play Sigil? And that's a good argument against the card in any in any sense. But this deck was focused enough, and maybe with six enchantments and two blightcasters, it could have been uh, it could have been a monster. Right. Uh, but and it might have left some white creatures that could have gone into your deck. Could have possibly lowered the white creature count and, and added the white creatures to your green white. Right. I think the one thing that you said. Oh yeah. So, so what what wound up happening um, for you, I think, was that you tried to go a little bit more in two directions, where you were trying to be like have an aggro start and then like you know uh, have like a late game too, right. and like maybe focusing on one or the other might have been better. Um, but you know, I could have played a little more defensively, played. Played two copies of 06 Wall. The Guardian, yeah, it's totally to, good. In order to build into removal, in order to uh, build towards Languish. Yeah, and you know, Languish would have left those 06s there. I I was actively working continuously on you know where the where the chances were to um, to make Languish exciting in the deck. Uh, those opportunities didn't come up very often. What did happen was uh, green players had creatures that were too big for Languish to take down. Mm. Tragic Arrogance was much better than Languish uh, all day, and I, I think it is in general. Yeah, really? Yeah, I've, I've really come, you just really come around on it. Even, even when you just top deck it, and you don't even have any creatures to play, and you're about to die, and uh, but because you're because you haven't been able to block even their little creatures are killing you so you can you can pull tragic arrogance off the top and reduce your opponent down to a elvish visionary and that can buy you a lot of time yeah definitely yeah and if they yeah if they have like a 
you, you top deck a Languish and they have a, a Rocks Maulers that's already uh, renowned, it's not doing you much. That's true. Or if they've got a Nantuko Husk and can make it where you can only choose their Husk, uh, you know, that un- could be unfortunate. On the other hand, they would be left with only a 2-2 Husk on their turn before they play some more creatures. Right. But it just always feels good. It's a pretty remarkable card, but but it's definitely definitely a card that pays you off big if you can set up for it. Right. Um, so we built these decks. Before we built the decks, we had all of the beginning, like, you know, registering the pools and passing the pools. And I... They could not have been less clear on the instructions. They're like, pass the stuff to your right or pass it across the table. And, like, it was just like... Yeah, it sounded like um, a Miss America pageant when they're uh, when they're being quizzed about world peace or something. I mean, they just... The, the words we were hearing from stage were, were so unclear and so pass your pool which is having the cards and find the player on your team who is in the middle what the hell did that mean it, it, <laughs> it was meant to mean kind of in the L shape I guess the intent was in the L shape that you made with somebody had two of his teammates across the table from him somehow made an L they asked us you know, to have the middle player stand up for our team and sometimes they wanted you to, uh, they were instructing you that your proper table number for deck construction was the table that, oh my gosh, it was very confusing. I, 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 I know the, um, the judge staff is very experienced, uh, but, of course, but nobody's super experienced running this, Team Limited. This is the problem. I don't know... I don't. I, I don't know what it takes to run one of these events. I can't be hypercritical of something that I have no context for. You know, like I don't know. I've never run a team sealed event. I can't say, well, this is dumb because they should have done it like this. Um, because I don't know what this is. Uh, but I do know that the instructions were really confusing. Um, and I think that there was like a like a serious, debilitating lack of um, uh, what's the word? What was that? Oh, I just lost it. Well, I don't know. Do you mean that the uh, you know you can just tell all over the place that and speaking as a level two judge that's run tournaments for a really long time, uh, you could just tell how far out of their normal comfort zones the entire judge staff and even even just in just tournament um, um, staff members for the main event just uh, weren't on the same page. That's that, and that's why I was going to say coordination yeah. is what I was looking for. So, right, so one guy would tell you one thing, another guy would tell you something else. Literally three rounds in a row, we yeah. had different judges telling us different ways to fill out the slips. Exactly. Don't you think that the judges should know what to write, like, what the players should be writing on the slips. Exactly. And it was making me crazy because I have judged Team Sealed before, and there was definitely certain policy for uh, what you, how you did it in the past. But then, you know, the last time that I ran one might have been more than 10 years ago. The last time 
there just hasn't been a lot of trios sealed in in, uh, in a while that I can. Well, there was one in Nashville, but but I right right, but I mean, but uh, oh, largely not right not overall. too many, yeah. So it just felt very like uncoordinated and uh, and and just all over the place. Um, you know, I go to pass my pool across the table like I'm like I know how to, but like you know when. It, it was like past like four different people, and the guy's already got a box. Somebody passed him from the left, and that's that person passing to the left instead of right. the right. So there was so there was some overthinking, there was some undercommunicating, and there was you know just quite frankly a lack of agreement on the staff's part of. Uh, exactly how to do things. And then what was worse... And then that lowers the confidence and, you know, causes concern among the player base. Now, now what was even worse than that is the fact that several times during the day, we, as players, were directly blamed by the organizers for causing the confusion. Right. Where their system was so scatterbrained that they were the ones who caused the confusion and they didn't want to admit it right. and just just say, I'm sorry, we did this in a confusing way. And they didn't do that. I thought that was very, uh, you know, not living up to the first word of the name of the organizer. Professional uh, Yeah, that just doesn't seem very professional. You'd be like, you are the ones... I'm not going to say the rest of the right. We're all used to uh, we're all we're all used to the uh, the weather judge yelling at you in a small tournament in the store because there's a lot of young kids playing for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I am used to be at Jim's store. Oh, uh, I guess I, yeah, I guess everyone actually maybe Jim Schumann hasn't been everybody's judge before, but there's probably somebody like that wherever you wherever you live. But uh, you know you're used to that at a lower level with um, with a less experienced um, group of players, and maybe with a less experienced judge staff that kind of can't keep the players under control. But uh, there was just a little bit of anarchy in the ranks on Saturday because I'm, I'm feel sure it's we, uh, just, it wasn't clear enough to everybody uh, how to do uh, how to uh, do the, the normal procedures at the beginning of deck registration and deck construction. Yeah, no. Now here's the part that that I now all of that is just kind of organizational mess. Um, the thing that I really disliked and that wasn't clear from the very beginning was how the seating would be assigned. So what happened was, you know, we registered our decks. We already had in mind. Okay. So let me just backtrack and say uh, Nate registered us for this event, you know? Nate just registered us with the DCI numbers in the order I put them in the email, you know? Like, right, right, exactly. Which, which I don't, and I don't fault him for any of this but because... I, I think on the website it just said, uh, here's your first player's name and DCI number, second player's third player. Right, it just said, yeah, first, second, third player. It didn't say player A, player B, player C. Right. So it wasn't like... And it didn't warn you that you would be held to these nominations for these positions right. for your Grand Prix. Right. When we registered, we had no idea what order we wanted the team in. We just, we just, you know, registered. We, we didn't even register. So, um, so what happens is uh, we get our, our 
our things, and we and by the time we got there, we knew who we wanted in each seat. We were prepared for that. So, like, when we registered our decks, we registered mine as player A, Levi as player B, and Jeff as player C. And we get our pairings, and our pairings are, you know, set up so that I was player A, Jeff was player B, and Levi was player C. And we were like, well, what the hell? We put this on the slit, on the yeah, sheet. Yeah, so now you're concerned that your deck lists are going to have an error that you're going to get penalized for. And... Right, or I was just concerned that they put us in wrong. So, like, we asked the judge, and the judge doesn't really know, so he takes Levi up to talk to, like, the head organizer, and the organizers didn't even say, like, because Levi came back and said, oh, he said just play in the numbers you're at. He didn't say, well you are assigned based on how you registered when you paid. You know, like, so the, like, the organizer didn't even tell us that. Right, but eventually you picked this up in drips and drabs as as the head judge or whoever made some additional announcements. Uh, and again, still kind of blaming the players for, you're not going to be held to what you wrote down on your list. You're going to be, uh, your, your player position is A, B, or C is how your team was registered. And, uh, you know, it's uh, something that was kind of wasn't in your control on the day of the event because you couldn't register on the day of the event. You had to do it the day before. Right, right. And I think that's different than Team Sealed has been run in the past. Yes. Um, yeah. It... But before you get too negative, I want you to say some things that you liked about Team Sealed and about this tournament about the main event. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, but, but just to kind of... I just want to finish up what we were talking about yeah. here. Um, you know, this is this is where... And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm, just, I'm just still kind of miffed about this. This is where Legion events shined, was that this is a confusing event for the judges, for the players for everyone because it's out of our comfort zone. The one thing that Legion Events was always good at was keeping the players up to date, up to the day, on anything that may have been confusing or may have needed clarification. And and on the website, the website was like frequently updated. The Professional Event Services website for this event said coming soon, there will be information here. The day of the event. Right, and Legion Events, you know, is, and Steve Port over there has been, you know, such a leader in uh, in inventing ways to make large tournaments run better, which has been kind of the central issue for Grand Prix over the last five or six years as they get bigger and bigger and bigger, which one would suppose is sort of a mark of, of uh, success for both the game of magic, but also for the peop- for the organizations that run these events, that more and more people will come to them. Right. Um, and, and and I feel as though a lot of these things that were confusing to us due to a lack of communication would have been clearly communicated because you know when you look at the same if this website and never updates, you know you cannot find the time the start time of the event anywhere on the event's website, that's a big problem. Now, like, if this was run by Legion Events, it would have there would have been a blog post on the site 
like the week leading up saying, just a reminder, your teammates are listed in the order in which you paid. So if you want to change that, you should do that before this day. Now, professional event services may have done that on Twitter, but I'm stupid about Twitter and I have 1,600, I'm following 1,600 people because everyone that ever followed me, I follow back and then I follow a whole bunch of random crap that I like and etc. I'm trying to clean it up a little bit, but I took my Twitter and got way out of hand with it. I would never find that tweet from them if that's the way they're communicating it. That's why you have a website. Put it on the website for the event. Let me go to the event's website and see the information for the event all in one place. Just It's just so obvious. And it's only so obvious because Legion Events did it right so many times before. You know, it, right, and, and it's on our minds because uh, the announcement was just a week ago that Legion of... Well, you know... Um, oh, I already ranted about this on the, on the podcast, about how much it sucks. That just Legion Events just suddenly is sort of... Uh, not running any Grand Prix next year, and it's the kind of thing that you noticed immediately. I noticed immediately. Lots and lots of players just sort of noticed immediately, and and uh, you know didn't understand. Well, could understand that we're going to have fewer Grand Prix next year, so you would imagine that maybe every major uh, tur- tournament organizing uh, company would get get maybe one or you know one less, two less. Who knew? But uh, it was kind of it was kind of bad news to a lot of players that Legion was uh, essentially cut out, not named as you know, not not named any announcement or anything. But um, no, because but Wizards obvious. will never take responsibility for right. anything they ever do. But it was but it was but it was quite obvious by that. It's like looking around and going, "Hey, no Legion anymore." Right. You got the big guys. You got Star City. You got Channel Fireball there. They've muscled their way into the Grand Prix with their muscle that they obviously have, and and I don't think that's outside of their rights. You know what I mean? They are big machines, and they have the infrastructure to make it work and to make it work well. I mean, I, I think I work. I think I went to one uh, Grand Prix run by Channel Fireball so far. I think that was that was Vegas. And Vegas was run very well, you know. So I'm not complaining about about that. It, it's not so much about who's in more so that it's who's out and like and it really sucks that legion events is out um and you know and i'm not saying like legion events should be in and professional event services should be out like i'm not trying to make that sort of hard stance but i just guarantee you if this event was run by legion events we wouldn't have had half the problems we had because of how clearly they communicate uh, right when there, when there were problems you couldn't help but think about uh, the choices, you know, maybe that have been made about who's running Grand Prix and who isn't, and it just, it just couldn't, you just couldn't help but be on your mind. Yeah. As we had some difficulties on Saturday. Morning. Yeah, it was literally every time, literally every time there was something, my mind was like, if this was Legion events, we wouldn't have this problem, and like, and that's just like, maybe that's not true. You know what I mean? Maybe that's not true at all. It was just a little bit of a bias from just the position we were in. But, but it, I don't think that I don't think we could be helped from feeling that way. Right. It's it's we didn't kick them off the circuit. <laughs> so you know, um, I, I Legion. So Legion Games was in the house, but their tiny booth was they were relegated to uh, to sleeves and deck boxes. Right. And and that's even 
I think they're they're even ending that at the end of this year. So something like whoever that. the representative was there, I you know I'm shaking, I shook his hand, I told him you know I was you know sad, I was I I didn't have a Legion event to go to next year, and you know he offers me a a free box to put my my uh, playmat in and <laughs> sells me some sleeves, but there wasn't much else to to do. Right. I I, I went over to him too and told him just. I mean, I, I probably spoke in, like, much stronger language. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna is there a card for like, Steve that we can all sign? Yeah, I was something? like, this is a travesty. And, like, and, and this this scene is worse without you. You know, it's basically what I said. It was, like, this whole scene is, is, is worse than it, than it was when you were around. Because y'all ran these events great, and I really hope that this is the only year that we have a schedule that doesn't have Legion events as a tournament organizer because I'm hoping that we can make enough noise and make sure Wizards knows just how right. ridiculous this is and, 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 and I hate you know I, I, I'm the first person to call out Magic players for being mad about like everything that ever happens and everything that's ever changed in the game but like this is change that didn't need to happen and that didn't happen for any like reason I can see and, and after the after getting the news about Legion um, those of us that are old magic players like, like me and Joe who are experienced and been to a lot of Grand Prix I know PES runs good events uh, we just it was just hard that this first event after the news about Legion uh, came with a, a, a team sealed event that had these extra problems. Right, right. And so, yeah, so it was compounded by by the difficulty of running an event like that. Those feelings were definitely compounded. Um, but anyway, uh, so uh, moving on to the event itself, um, I, there's not much to say about the games, like, individually. There, you know, the decks played as we pretty much described them. Um, it, when we were talking about the decks, uh, Levi won the most. I think I won the least, uh, and you were somewhere in the middle there. Right. Uh, in, in between between wins, losses, and games that you don't finish because the match has already been decided by the other two players. Right. Right. On your team and you know their matches, but you just the, what you can't get away from is the greatness of of uh, being able to break one of the major rules of Magic, which is outside assistance. Yeah. It's insane to be able to sit there next to your your teammate and just go, oh, no, absolutely don't play that. Are you crazy? Uh, play this instead. And and you're, you could give such explicit... Uh, again, the judge in me just was kind of holding back a little at first because I just couldn't believe it's, it's just hard to free yourself that much. This is the kind of thing, you know, you're trained all the time. Don't don't open your mouth with right. another guy's match going on. Don't point at things. Don't remind them about triggers. Don't every just everything in the world. And uh, it was even harder watching you play on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then on Sunday, you know, if you if you weren't fortunate enough to make day two in the Grand Prix and you're playing in the Super Sunday Sealed, like me and Joe were, then suddenly you're back to uh, regular to normal competitive level rules and keep your mouth shut and don't mention things and. <laughs> But it's amazing in Team Team Sealed, uh, the power of all three players on each other's 
games and matches. It's a very interesting thing. You you wouldn't you just couldn't have that be. Uh, I mean, imagine a world where Team Sealed was the main way that you played every week. Um, it I was scared it would really slow down the matches the way that Two Headed Giant gets really 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 slow, slow even with single game matches. That's even worse because you're coordinating every single turn. You know, you're exactly. sinking every turn. Um, and, like, your plays are, you know, dependent on... Or, or your, your opponent, your, your teammate is dependent on your plays in their game. Right. Whereas in this, you know, our games are all happening individually, so we're it's not just dependent. counseling. Right, exactly. Um... But, uh, but anyway, so we have one of the things that was kind of annoying about um, about the, the players, like the seating being decided for us by accident was that we wanted Levi in the middle as player B, you know, because, uh, you know, Less experienced overall. And sealed. Uh, admittedly, yeah, admittedly not a limited player any more than he has to. Right, right. And and so, like... We wanted him in the middle so that we could easily, without having to change chairs or anything, uh, help him. We could both feed him and, like... And then he could also, you know, feed each of us individually if we needed. Since he had a fast deck, and a lot of the faster decks were in the B chair. Right. And, um... And, you know, me and... I think me and Jeff sometimes can just stubbornly get in our zone and be playing our game and, you know, not even break. Like, me and Jeff next to each other, like, I didn't often think to look over to Jeff to see what he was doing. I don't think he often thought to look over to me to see what I was doing. So, like, I feel like I maybe had someone assist me with a play once the entire six rounds. You know what I mean? Like, I think that maybe one time, like, you looked over and, 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 and told me a play. But... I don't think there was much hope for me anyway, so I'm not really too worried about that. But like, but it is interesting that Team Steel, you know, when your when your match is done, you can't angrily storm off. You know, you've got two other guys, <laughs> and you, you've got to you you have a responsibility if their matches are still going on to stay there and help in any way you can, including moral support. Right. So it really helps to have teammates who don't get tilted by their by their losses, because even if because when. Even if you lose your match, your your match isn't over. You know what I mean? Like, so like that's right. actually, and that's something I didn't even think about. Like, and, well, I would think about Wilson not winning, being on the winning team, but not do it, not only winning one match all day personally, all two days. Uh, you know, even that, if he had got, if he had gotten a super negative, uh, chances are, you know, he could have hurt his team other ways. Right. Right. By like maybe maybe stomping off and not being there to right. Help. And you know, putting some negative uh, energy into his teammates would have been a terrible thing. And somehow, he and the team together was able to keep that from happening. And I didn't see in a lot of teams. I didn't see. I didn't see teammates getting up and walking off. It seems like when the matches, when anyone's match was still going on, all three players stayed there and put their minds together, and it was cool to see that happen. And again, uh, the matches didn't go long. Obviously, there were matches that went beyond time in every round because it's such a large tournament. But the rounds, but not for not for uh, you know not for ten extra minutes. 
Um, the rounds turned over very well for it to be a three-man team competition with about 2,100 total players. Yeah, they did. And and I guess, you know, since we were, you know, a little negative on, on PES, like, let's give them credit where credit is due. Right. Once the event got rolling, right. they kept it rolling, and that's really good. Um, that's something that doesn't often happen, or doesn't always happen anyways, where, you know, eventually, like... Start taking, you start seeing that clock up twenty minutes, thirty minutes between rounds. It's like, what is happening? That's right, and that that didn't happen. Um, didn't happen. Certainly didn't happen after the first couple of rounds on Saturday. And um, in that way, the tournament was run very good. It was sort of just the hard part of getting it going. So, you know, the one thing I thought was really great um, about this event is that it really seemed like people were having a lot of fun for the most part. We had one team we played that were kind of just the uh, super, super salty bros. Uh, but uh, but whatever, you know, like, who cares? Um, but for the most part, everybody was really chill and having a lot of fun, uh, regardless of what bracket they were in. And, um, and the number of teams that played past two losses, or past three losses, uh, really showed just how much fun people thought this tournament was, um, because that's just really cool, uh, you know, you don't have to play to four losses, you know, once you hit that third loss, you are out of day two, you have nothing to play for other than maybe pride or maybe some Planeswalker points. Um, and I was, I did, for you know, to a degree, have some interest in playing for Planeswalker points. Um, so, you know, we started out 0-2, and I was like, okay, this is bad. I was like, well, I want to play to four losses, because I want to make sure that I get some points out of this weekend. Um, and then we wound up uh, winning the next two. Uh, so then we won two. So then when we lost the third, I looked over, I was like, because Jeff what well, didn't sound happy of the at the prospect of like an 04 record playing additional matches for Planeswalker points. Right, right. So so like so we got the two wins. And I was pretty happy with getting the two wins by the time we hit the third loss. You know, at least having some consolation of, you know, about 50 Planeswalker points added to my uh, to my, you know, my grind for buys this year. Uh, so I looked over at Jeff I'm like, "What do we do?" And he's like, we can do one more. I was like, all right, all right, cool. So, like, so we did one more. We lost that, too. Uh, and then, finally, it was like, yeah, okay, no more. So, we dropped out uh, and uh, had some uh, outstanding dinner at the bar next to our hotel. Uh, had They had an appetizer of beef tips that <laughs> Jeff was jealous of me for days. I still am. He still was. He's, like, yesterday at the, at the restaurant we went to in... Um, in Bowling Green, it was Verdi, right? Is it the name of it? I remembered. Uh, we went to Verdi in Bowling Green on um, on Monday night, and uh, and he was still looking at like one of the entrees, like with the beef tips in mind from my meal from Saturday night. That <laughs> you got a amazing beef entree for ten dollars, for bucks. only ten dollars, in a hotel bar. Yeah. In downtown Detroit, you know, at, and we're not at a fancy hotel, we're at the Holiday, I mean, we're at the Holiday Inn, whether it's Express. fancy or not. Holiday Inn Express, which I have to say, 
if you're traveling to magic events uh, and you got a couple people with you, like it was awesome. Like it, you know, it's not it's not fancy, but it's affordable and uh, they have just about everything you'd want. Like uh, for the free hot breakfast, you know, it's a pain though to try to find breakfast in the morning when you got to be at the event site at like nine or ten easier when you gotta be there at 10 with the buy, but like, you know, 9 o'clock, this event, no buys for anybody, and it was just like, we have no time to stop or find anything, um, and if you're in a nice hotel, uh, you'll have time to drop $25 or something on your breakfast, um, which, you know, if you want to drop $25 for breakfast, that's fine, and there's some mornings where I really do, because the hotel breakfasts in, in certain hotels, you say at certain hotels, they, you know, they, they give you your money's worth uh, you for the most part. You might get a very part. fancy personal omelet, and you might get, you know, you might get a amazing gourmet breakfast and pay pay twenty or twenty five bucks for it. Right, and there's nothing wrong with that. But but I take just basic subpar eggs and just sufficient protein and uh, and filling foods to get me through the day for free over that 100% of the time. Um, and so, like, uh, you know, having that option is great. And then they also had a shuttle that, right. like, the Holiday Inn Express, I don't know if it's all of them, but this one had a shuttle that would take you anywhere within a three-mile radius of the hotel, which was amazing. And they didn't care that the convention site was, on, was not quite a mile away. They were completely happy to drive you there. Yeah, it was totally fine. They didn't give a crap. And then, like, also, we were able to get, like, a little mini tour out of it. Right. Uh, just because, like, there was a couple in there who was already just like, hey, just take us around. And we were like, cool, all right. Uh, this was Sunday, and there wasn't nearly as much going on downtown. Right, right. Uh, my biggest misplay on Saturday was that uh, I got back to the hotel. We were hanging out. About 10 o'clock at night, I look at Twitter, and I see Chris Jericho posts, Oh, I had a great time in Detroit for a wrestling event. I'm like, WWE was in Detroit right next door to us at the Joe Louis Arena, and I didn't go? Man, what a bummer. I, I'm, like, if there's anything I've been tilted about in the past, like, three or four months, it's the fact that, like, I missed a live WWE event that was, like, down the street from where I was staying. Yeah, they you had uh, wrestling Saturday night, and you could have seen Taylor Swift on... Sunday night, so... No, Monday, that was Monday in Bowling Green. Monday and we Bowling could, Green. Yeah, we, oh, Monday night in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So, uh, this weekend, no matter where we felt on the manhood scale, there were entertainment options available. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I think that, uh, that showing up to a Taylor Swift concert is the manliest thing one can do. Um, and uh, I... But, but anyway, so... You know, we went. We, we, we ate dinner. We regrouped. Uh, we we signed right up. Like we, we, we were like, screw it, run it back. Signed right up for the Super Sunday series uh, before we even left the venue on Saturday. So we were locked in. Yeah, tell them about the mat. Oh yeah. So so they had three play mats for the main event. You had uh, Mana Gorger Hydra, Evolutionary Leap, and Abbot of Carol Burnett. And then, um, which was really cool, like, they, they're all just, you know, three iconic artworks of Origins. I love that. Um, but the problem is, there's three players. You each get one mat. Uh, there was a sign-up special where each player could get all three mats, but we didn't pay extra for that. 
and I don't really think I really wanted to. Uh, but the side event, you get a, a mat too, and the side event had its special mat with you know special artwork, and the side event mat was the coolest of all the mats. So it had uh, Detroit written with the D and the Tigers style. Um, and Gothic. Then, yeah, yeah, and then it had uh, um, a three-headed beast. There was a it, one had a there was a lion head, there was a tiger head, and then there was a horse head with uh, with red wings. So they just represented all four Detroit major Detroit sports teams uh, on the mat, and with the three-headed monster, obviously also representing the fact that it was uh, team sealed on the weekend. And I just thought that was like just such a cool, iconic mat for the event. Uh, that like I'm actually gonna trade uh, my buddy Ryan Germore, uh I'm gonna tra- I'm gonna trade him the Abbott of Curl Keep mat. You'll uh, know this mat when you see it because the color combination is garish to say the least. Yes, but it's you know it's so ugly that you kind of fall in love with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it was really cool. Um, but then we went and we played on Sunday, and. Uh, and we, well, you know, long story short, uh, we didn't succeed there either. Um, I opened a pool that was, it was, it was weird. My pool was so strange. There was no real, there, there was no set bomb. The only bomb I had was uh, the green, green, the spider, right? Uh, the rest of my curve in green, there was no five drops. There were like, there was a Dwinen, uh, you know, the, the Elf Lord, with I think literally zero other elves in wow. green. You know, so it was just one of those pools where you like had a couple cool pieces, but then there were a couple things that were definitely missing. I also, and I don't like to think about what's not there when I'm building, but you can't help it when you've got a Dwinen and like zero elves, and then you've got blue and red with zero Thopter makers. Like, that's just rough. Like, that's, that's rough, you know? Um, and uh, so, so there were a couple holes. Like, there were a couple places where one or two pieces would have made uh, main deck obvious. But they really weren't there. So what I wound up having to do, and which I don't regret doing, was I wound up going with the deck that had the best mana curve available to me um, with a decent amount of removal, and that was blue-white. So my blue-white had a decent curve, uh, a couple Separatist Void Mages, um, just, you know, some, some, some pretty good stuff. There were a lot of pieces missing, but I built, I built the blue-white. Now, I wasn't super sure, I wasn't super sold, so what I wound up doing was I wound up sleeving up, uh, not a second deck so much, but two sub-out colors. I wound up sleeving up the ability to uh, turn it into blue-red. I also had the ability to turn it into blue-black. Um, because while I had a, a decent, like, aggro creature base in white, overall I felt like the white was the weaker color of the two. Um, but it was the best color for what I was building in terms of, like, completing a curve. Uh, because, like, the black and the red both had exactly one two-drop in each color. Um, there was just weird pieces missing, you know? Like, 
So over the course of four rounds, where I went one and three, um, I managed to play blue-white game one. I think I subbed into blue-red game two. Round two, I think I started out blue-white and then went blue-black. Um, and then, I think, like, by round four, <laughs> I just went from blue-white to red-black. <laughs> I was just like, none of this is working. I'm just gonna... So I played four different decks in four different rounds of Sealed, none of which were very good. Um, and I went up going one three drop. But, uh, again, you know, talking to, to my opponents, just having a good time, and, and it, this, this weekend was a... Was a was a humbling weekend, but not, like, in, like, a, a depressing kind of negative sort of way, you know, just kind of, like, hey, you know, this wasn't my weekend to win, let it, you know, uh, in the words of Taylor Swift, shake it off, and, uh, and just, you know, look forward to the next event. Uh, sealed from Sunday? No, except I, I was, I fell into the easy, uh, I fell into the easy green-white, I call, I, I really think that's the bailout color combination, I think, in the most, most times you open six packs, the, you just, I think it's the playable pool, it feels safe to a lot of people, it might not always be the right pool, it's possible, if you're green-white and you don't have really good creatures, maybe, Maybe you needed to take a little bit. You need to take more risks. Not three colors, Levi, but you maybe yeah. needed. Maybe you needed to take more risks with some other two colors. My green white, you know, had a uh, had the uh, had the playmat art from Saturday. Um, one green and two rare. Yeah, mana gorge, right? Yeah. And it was good sometimes, and uh, but it was very, you know, very rare. one suspend um, suppression bonds. Um, just a pretty average green-white deck, and one of those things where you've used every green and white card. The only cards, the only green-white cards that weren't in the deck were caterpillars and healing hands, and uh, you know, anti-artifact and enchantment for the for the sideboard moves. But that's it, and um, you know, it's just a a deck where your win conditions are uh, beat the other guy in combat with giant growth, with titanic growth, and that and that was about it, and. I won the first two matches, lost the next two, including a matchup against just another green and white deck that, you know, just outraced me that time, but that deck wasn't going to go all the way either. Um, sealed deck, you know, um, is just very dem democratic. It's just much more fair than people think it is. Um, it's it's a lot more skillful than people think it is. But, but magic in general, and particularly sealed deck, doesn't care that you drove a long way. That's right. And it doesn't care, you know, how much you're paying for the room or how much of a hassle it was to get there. You open some cards and then it either works or it doesn't work, you know, and science shows us that half of the people in the room lose in round one. It's just, uh, it's just the way it's going to go, you know. Yeah. And, um, and, and the, cards, the cards don't care. Yeah, it's science. <laughs> the best you can do is find something else to occupy your time once you're dead. Yeah. Um, so we did that on Sunday by hitting up uh, the uh, Motor City Brewing Works, and uh, they had brick oven pizzas, 
that were amazing. Uh, that was that was that was a good time. And oh, and they, the handcrafted, the, yeah, good atmosphere. Handcrafted cream sodas and root beers, um, and and tons of craft beers that I was utterly shocked Levi didn't at least <laughs> sample. Uh, Jeff and I don't drink, but Levi does, and and you know. <laughs> we left there and we went back to the hotel and he went to the bar and right, had, a, had a Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> Just funny. Um, but that's okay. Uh, but it was it was funny though. Um, More of a macro brew. Yeah, right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, so Sunday night, you know, we get back and I remember at one point I said to my opponent uh, after my my fourth round and my third loss in the sealed, I was packing up myself. I was like, huh, I'm done playing Magic the Gathering for the weekend. I was like, neat. You know, I was like, I was like, I don't hate playing Magic, but it was an interesting thing to realize. Like, this is the end of the Magic playing. I don't have to play Magic anymore. And then, like, about an hour later, I'm sitting there and I go, oh, crap, I got a stream tonight. <laughs> I was like, I'm not done playing Magic. So, uh, <laughs> we got back to the room and uh, and I did. I streamed, and uh, streamed. Eight, and I, I drafted. I got into eight four. That's been my plan for the stream. This, the 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 theme. And if you haven't watched, uh, check it out on uh, Twitch.tv/legitmtg. Uh, head games with Big Head Joe every Sunday night at nine p.m. Eastern. Uh, except for last Sunday, I did it at ten p.m. Uh, just to kind of give myself a little extra time uh, to get settled after the day. Uh, so, um, hop, so the plan has been to hop into an 8-4 and try to win it. And if I don't win it, hop into Swiss and get some reps. So this week, you know, we started that way. We hopped into the 8-4. And uh, I started drafting, and, and I had Jeff over my shoulder... And I uh, drafted a black-white deck with enchantments. We kind of pretty much talked about that earlier. Uh, and wound up winning the draft. So that was a big... Uh, and that was actually just a nice period at the end of this sentence. Right. We figured out that if all of the players that were better than us at Limited were at the Grand Prix, that being super successful and crushing us a lot, we figured... They wouldn't also be on Magic Online, and it turned out it turned out to work out that way. So yeah, tonight. for sure. Um, <laughs> so, so it worked out well, and uh, managed to uh, to win the eight four for the first time, and uh, blew three of those packs on an eight four last night that I got crushed in. Uh, <laughs> but we don't film those. No. Uh, <laughs> but you not only won the draft Sunday night, but you got to rare draft an Abbott in pack three. Yeah, totally rare draft. Taking it over nothing that would really go in your deck. Right. So that was that was good. Um, not like I'm ever going to do anything with it other than probably yeah. sell it for tickets. Uh, but still, like you know, a couple little tickets added on as a bonus. Not bad at all. So you had some stuff to say about the tournament overall, right? Right. Just. It's what it's a precious thing, Team Seal. Uh, the it's so fair and so skill intensive that you know it's it's probably the most skillful 
limited format maybe that there is. Some people would argue the old school Rochester draft with all the cards face up on the table. But to me, that's still smaller than the achievement of 12 random packs, but you're building, but building three decks, it's, uh, it's so interesting. And that's why, you know, that's why, uh, you had such an incredibly strong final four. The, um, the choices there's so there's so much room to make uh, really important choices. The skill really really shows. In a way, twelve packs you know flattens out in some ways what you're going to see. Every green white deck is going to have you can name off six cards, seven, eight, nine, ten cards that's going to be in every single green white deck that gets built out of three man sealed. But of course, the rares and the uncommons and the number uh, the number of the quantity of different commons will make a big difference, but it's just so, it's so incredibly skillful, it was humbling to, you know, build good decks, but still, um, but still, you know, you could, could, we could have done it a different way, there's, you don't, you're never going to open 12 packs, and there only be three possible decks you could have built, when you go into single sealed, you open your six packs, and it's incredibly, it's very, very likely that a number of experts could all look at the same group of six packs, of origins anyway, and put you in the exact same deck. The challenge is, it's, the, it's just the highest level of challenge for a sealed deck to play triple team, uh, to play three-man team sealed, and the payoff for knowledge and experience is very, very high, and I think that the top four shows that. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of run down the list, I know we mentioned the uh, pedigree of the top four but just to kind of uh, run down who the actual participants were in the top four, uh, we had uh, a team of Brock Parker, Matt Costa, and Shahar Shenhar. Um, we had uh, the team of Owen Turtonwald, William Jensen, and Reed Duke. Quaffy. That's a pretty intense team. Um, we got a team of uh, Louis Scott Vargas, Ben Stark, and Eric Froelich. I believe I'm familiar with those gentlemen's work. They seem like guys I've heard of. And then we've got uh, the winning team of Samuel Pardee, Jacob Wilson, and Matthew Nass. Uh, top and, notch. Yeah, top. That's, uh, that is an intense top group there. Uh, man, I have rode this route so many times. We're passing a Greyhound bus. And I have rode this route. I was going to say Dallas, Texas on it, isn't it? Oklahoma City, okay. Sorry, switching it up on me. Well, anyway. You could open a trophy shop with all of the pretty things that those players have won over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, that's a crazy group of, uh, of players uh, to... Um, to make it to the top and just kind of shows you the, I would say, you know, the skill level needed. I think that, I think the other thing is like, uh, oh, three pro players working together is better than one pro player working by himself. Okay. Yeah. So this shows you that importance. And plus the fact that like, I think that those players are all teammates outside of the, uh, the event. So, like, I think that, like, you know, prior experience with the teammates, uh... Yeah, even if that, if, even if that experience was 
you know, team drafting uh, for fun in between things, you know, that, that, that helps you play this format better. Uh, it's, it, this is, you know, it's a sealed format that has, plays in some ways like a constructed format when, with the uh, build part being, being so important, maybe equally, almost equally as important as what you ripped open. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, we, we, we did our best, <laughs> we, or we tried our best. Right. I guess say we did our best, we probably didn't do our best, but we, we showed up and we, and we, and we tried to build the, the best three decks that we could, um, and, uh, with the minimal amount of practice we had, and, you know, it didn't wind up being successful, but overall, you know, I'm really happy with the weekend in terms of as being a life experience and, uh, you know, being a chance to get to know Jeff better, for one, uh, getting to know Levi better, or at all, because we didn't know him at all before right. we picked him up, um, and, you know, uh, saw, you know, a few folks that I hadn't seen in a while, like from, you know, East Coast guys that, uh, you know, I don't get a chance to see, like Angelo from Pit Imps, uh, it's cool running into him, um, you know, just, just a really, just always a really cool experience coming to these things, and, uh, and, and especially ones that are far away, and being able to tell the story of, we drove here from Dallas. Exactly, in the age of PPTQs that have players staying closer to home and not making those, not making as many epic road trips, this was one of the most epic. Yeah. It's definitely the furthest I've ever been in a car and also the furthest north I've ever been. I got to see Canada for the first time in my life, you know? Uh, so that, I consider that to be a success, you know? And, uh, and it was fun. And, and, you know, if you told me before I left, you know, Wednesday night, you're going to go, you're going to wind up with a 2-4 and four record, you're going to scrub out of the Super Sunday series, but you're going to have a really good time, but you have the option to opt out right now and stay home, I'd probably still do it. I'd be like, you know what? Okay, that doesn't sound like a super successful weekend, but it sounds like a lot of fun. Let's go. And fortunately, uh, we don't have to ever make those choices because we don't know the, the result until we get there. Uh, because that would be a choice that would be really hard to justify to my wife. Right. <laughs> like, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to win. It's like, wait, did you say you're not going to win? Like, I know the possibilities there that you're not going to win, but you know? Why are you going? Like, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm glad that, you know, we did go. I'm glad that we, uh, we took part in this event. Now, uh, it's time for me to change gears for a little while. I'll still be doing the Sunday drafts, uh, because that is just a personal, you know, improvement goal that is a long-term thing. Right. You always need to be able to draft if you're going to play on the Pro Tour. Right, exactly. So that's a long-term improvement goal. So I'll still be drafting on my stream on the weekends. But uh, we're switching gears. We're about to play some modern uh, going into Oklahoma City. So uh, Stephen and I will probably have a bit more to say on that subject over the next uh, couple weeks uh, because we'll both be preparing for modern. And, uh, and yeah, so... So we're going to switch gears, but now that we've, you know, I've talked a lot about Limited over the past month or so, and that's been 
really great to do on the podcast because that's just what I love. Um, we're going to get into a little more constructed here for the next couple of weeks as we prepare for Oklahoma City. Uh, so that's something to look forward to for next week. I don't know uh, what exactly the plan is, but that's close to it. We're, we're starting to, to, to change those gears, so uh, get ready for some modern talk. Uh, but I think that's about everything that I've got for this week. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I haven't covered. QB's hamburgers. That was a weird stop. That was that was awesome. That was in Ohio, right? Right. Lima, Ohio. Uh, it was a place called QP's Hamburgers. Middle of the state. Yeah, and uh, you said it was established in, like, what, 1923? In the 20s. It got as big as 200 stores before World War II. I thought you said 400. Oh, 400. You're right. 400 before was the peak, right before World War II. They're down to five, and three of them are in... Lima, Ohio. Wow, it's like actually in Lima. Yeah. Wow, I thought you were saying that three of them were in Ohio. Oh my God, so three of three, three of the five, three QPs in Lima, and yet they were doing uh, insane business yesterday at lunchtime. They were doing great business. It's that's still the place to go. Yeah, and that was that's exciting. It's good to see a place like that, like you know, just a hanger on, like an old school place that just hangs on and survives, like. That's just always awesome to me. Like, uh, there's the Highland Park uh, soda fountain on uh, on on Knox that uh, you know is just super old school, just very basic stuff, uh, and they've been running for you know 80, 90 years, and I just love that place. It's just a really cool like throwback kind of place, and got the same kind of vibe from Cupies, like a like a a gem. It's just it's just really cool. And tasty food. You know, no BS, just, just it is what it is, and, and it was right. really good. Great Midwestern people. Yeah, absolutely. Just a cool environment. So that was just something something cool we saw on the trip. And uh, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Cupy's Hamburgers because you fueled our journey, and it was delicious. Um, I also want to thank Legit MTG for uh, sponsoring the team. I uh, got to meet Nate on the trip, and uh, Nate was a really nice guy. Uh, he gave us our shirts and everything, and just just great to be able to represent a site that I love and uh, that takes good care of us. Uh, and uh, yeah, and we're we're definitely happy to to be out there uh, ringing the bell for uh, for legit. That's right, and it makes a big difference when there's quality people at the top. And uh, legit MTG really has that. Yeah. So uh, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna finish up our trip home. We still got about uh, five and a half six hours left of the drive. Um, we're gonna make about twenty four hundred miles all told on this round trip. Uh, but until next time, we are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching and start driving. With self-defense, leg swipes, alcohol, toss, molotovs, throwing dynamite. Now they get caught up in a hype for being so tight. Sag with your jeans was, have a mean mug, right? Strike, and what they can combine.
Playboy Jenkins outlined the highest price. Hip hop, you rap vaguely. I'm consistent, fresh daily. I maintained a quiet life during open mics. Expectations is too high. Dreams holding it. I've lost friends and loved ones. Couldn't cope with it. Pursue music with a strength. Yo, MTG Taps is available every bloody Friday forever. On legitmtg.com, I want my mtg.com, mtgcast.com, and iTunes. Email us, yomtgtaps at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr, yomtgtaps.tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter, at yomtgtaps. Follow me on Twitter, at omgwtfbhjftw. Follow Steven on Twitter at M00NPI. Follow Joey on Twitter at Affinity for Blue. Featuring music by You'll Never Know and Logic Marsalis. Available at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>